Hello and welcome to another episode of The Growth Podcast. I am your host, Matt, and I am really excited today to talk about a topic we have not covered yet on this podcast, which is referrals. We have Maria Quasse, who is the product manager at Sprout Therapy and previously growth marketing lead at Lyft. Maria, thank you so much for joining today. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So before we jump in, I never do this, but I always tell myself I'm going to do it. If you like this episode or other episodes, please hit the subscribe button. Would super appreciate it. I got to get that plug at the beginning because I think people tune it out at the end. All right. So let's let's go ahead and jump into this topic here. So everyone knows about referral systems and apps, right? And it is one of these topics that people kind of feel like they should be doing, but aren't really quite sure like how to do it and how to think about it. So we're going to dig deep into that today. Maria, why don't you give us a little bit of a background on yourself, and then we'll go ahead and dive in. Yeah, absolutely. So my background is really both in product and in growth, but specifically in referrals. I've been doing it now for four years. I started off building the referrals product at one of my previous companies called OpenCare. OpenCare is a dentist discovery marketplace. So say you're looking for a new dentist here in San Francisco, you can go on opencare.com and find a new dentist there. When we built out referrals, it scaled quite rapidly within just like a five-month time frame, and it became our second largest revenue growth channel. And then after doing that, um, I moved over to Lyft, and I was their referrals lead for both the driver and the rider acquisition side. Yeah, and Maria also has a ton of really great blog posts all around referrals and referral systems, so definitely worth checking those out after after listening to this podcast. Uh, thanks for the plug, Matt. <laughs> yeah, you got it. Uh, so I'm all about plugs this morning. Let's dig into the topic. So I think what I would love to, to talk through today is how to know if you should be building a referral system, what a good one looks like. Maybe we could talk about some examples. And then let's say that a listener says, all right, I, it's time for us to build a referral system. We're going to talk about how to measure one and like how to go think about building it. So let's start at the top to just give framing for this. Can you give us your run through of like what are referrals and how do you think about them? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think it's really good to take a step back and ask what referrals is. You know, in the last 20 years, we've all seen um, a referrals program. Most of us have even used it ourselves, either referring other people or being referred. And so we have a very specific view on what referrals is and what it should be. To me, what referrals is, is that it productizes the word of mouth experience that is already happening in real life. What I mean by that is I think growth teams and product teams should observe, you know, how people refer, when they refer, who they refer, and you build a product around it. You know, what I don't think referrals is, is it's just like another marketing tool or another marketing lever that you could pull to increase, you know, your number of new users that you get in, in a weekly or monthly basis. No, it's it's really a product. And so in order to uh, build a really good referrals program and in order to really scale it, you need to have a really good understanding of the context in which people refer. And again, you build a product around it. It's, it's, it's a very strong perspective that I have on referrals. And so it's, it's a theme that you'll see a lot in our conversation today. Yeah. And I love that because uh, I do think that it often gets viewed as this thing that is table stakes or that you, like everyone should have. So you just kind of throw it on the top of your product when you're trying to figure out how to get more signups, right? But I, I, I love the, the way to think about it as it is a replication of an action that people already are taking or are already incentivized to take. So on that same thread, what is the opportunity to say, if I'm thinking about a referral system, like, 
I have that and I should build one? Like when and how do I recognize that as a thing? Yeah. So if you're a head of growth or a co-founder and you're thinking about, you know, new channels of how to acquire new users and you're thinking about referrals as, as potentially one of them, um, you can think about like three signals that um, you should really be tracking or analyzing. Number one is how do potential customers discover brands in your sector? Number two is um, are your current customers already referring right now? And then number three is what is your product NPS and what does that tell you? So with number one, you know, how do your potential customers discover brands? This is something that I encourage um, a lot of, you know, early stage teams to really jump into. I think, especially here in Silicon Valley, like we have a very strong bias right away that the way people uh, discover brands is either through Google search or through Facebook ads. But really in reality, especially with consumer brands, is that they find out through numerous other ways. So I'll give you an example. You know, at OpenCare, we had a very strong hypothesis that the way people find out about dentists and the way people find about, you know, their medical professional is that they go on Google search and then they type, you know, uh, dentist near me. But when we actually like conducted a nationwide survey, we found that that only 5% of people go on Google search to find their new dentist. Whereas 80% of people actually find out about their dentist through family or friends. And so when we realized this, that just like completely shifted our acquisition strategy. You know, before conducting that survey, we invested heavily in SEO and we invested heavily in SEM for a couple of years. And then we did that survey and it, and it, it shifted our acquisition portfolio. And that's when, you know, the idea of referrals became a lot more important. And that's when we started to invest more into it. Another signal that you should be thinking about is, you know, are your customers already referring right now? So if you're a product manager, I assume that, you know, you're talking to your uh, customers on a weekly basis. Um, I encourage you to ask this question, um, you know, hey, how did you hear about us? Or even better yet, like, you know, have a survey in your onboarding flow asking them, you know, how did you hear about our product? And if you're starting to see that people have heard about your product through a family or friend, that's already a really big signal to you, especially since you don't, if you know, you don't have a product or referrals program yet. It just means that they went through so many hoops and went through a lot of friction from getting referred to actually finding your product and then actually converting. If you build a product around it, that is just almost a way for you to immediately scale that uh, channel right away. And then finally, your product NPS. The NPS question itself is like, how likely are you to recommend the product to other family and friends? So it's a very, you know, plain question, like, are you already willing to refer us? And so if people are, then it's a really, really good indication to you that um, uh, people like your product and are willing to refer if they have the opportunity to do so. Even better yet, if, you know, your product NPS is much higher than the NPS score of, you know, incumbents in your sector. I love that. So let's say I've, I've looked at these variables, I have a good sense that it is a fit for us. Before I even get started, how should I think about like what will success look like? Do I do that as a function of how many signups I already get today from other sources? And then, you know, I expect it should be 5% of that, right? Like, what, how do I think about what good is going to look like before I embark on this? 
I think the best rule of thumb is really the percentage of new users coming in from your referrals program MVP. The rule of thumb is 5%. And the reason why I say that is because um, I've talked to a number of companies that have built referral programs before. And usually the initial number that pops up is that you know 5% of new users come from that referrals MVP. And so it's a, it's a very good baseline for um, many referral programs. You know, the way that I think about referrals is that Decent referral programs make up about like 5 to 10% of new users. Really good ones make about 10 to 20%. The really great ones, they make up you know more than 20%. But when you're starting off, 5% is a pretty good baseline. Also, in addition, if you have a really fast feedback loop and you see the user's LTV or revenue right away, that's also another metric that you should be looking at is the percentage of revenue coming in from referrals. And the reason why is because referrals generally generate really high quality type of users. And so they generate just much higher LTV and much higher revenue. And so if you're seeing that referrals are making up 5% of new users, I wouldn't be surprised if referrals are actually making up 10% or 15% of revenue. You know, this is something that I've seen in, in my previous companies is just when you actually look at the LTV itself, referrals make up a much larger chunk of that. You had mentioned uh, referrals MVP like a minimal viable product. What does that look like? Is it just like putting a page in your app and having a link? Is it emailing a cut of your user base saying, hey, if you give us three people that would want to sign up, we'll give you a free year. Like how how do you think about what an MVP looks like? Yeah, that's a really great question. So when it comes to any MVP, you want to put your best foot forward, right? Like you just want to you just want to make sure that it performs the best that it possibly could. When I was building the referrals product at OpenCare, there were really a couple of things that we did that we had to do right. Number one was we literally copied Airbnb's referral program. (laughs) And the reason why is because we just thought, what is the best referral program out there? And at that time, it was Airbnb. And so pretty much Every little detail, almost like pixel to pixel, it looked exactly the same. And we just copied it. You know, it was just a great way to not think too much about the MVP. Don't spend too much time actually, you know, designing it. Just copy already what works out there and then just like replicate that into your product. And then number two is try to show your uh, referrals program to as many people as possible, whether that's by email or whether that's the first prompt that someone sees after they become a user. And the reason Reason why is because you know the more people see this, the more traffic that you'll get through referrals, and you know the higher likelihood that you'll get statsig out of it. Yep. Okay. So let's say you got the MVP up and running. You have some positive signs that it's starting to become like a few percentage points of your signups and of your revenue. How do you think about the strategy of scaling it up from there? Yeah. So when it comes to strategy, this again, like you need to do the research on on how people refer, what are the contexts in which people refer, who they refer, and when do they refer. And the reason why this research is so important is because you don't realize it, but people refer products very differently. So I'll give you an example of the two companies I've worked in, um, OpenCare and Lyft. So at OpenCare, you're referring someone to find a new dentist. And at Lyft, you're referring someone to use rideshare to call a ride, right? And so the context in which you refer 
um, are actually very different for those um, two types of products. So at open care, the typical context in which a referral happens is usually at home. There's usually like a couple at home. One of them will say, oh, I probably should go to the dentist, you know, sometime soon. And then the other person would say, oh, you should use open care to find a new dentist. So that's one context. At Lyft, it's very different context. You know, the typical context is, you know, I'm with a friend on a Saturday night at a bar or at a restaurant or maybe even at a club. And then a friend of mine will open up their Uber app and see surge pricing. And then I'll just tell the person, it's like, oh, why don't you just use my Lyft referral code? You can actually get a discount out of it. So you can already tell like those two contexts are very different. And so if you're a product manager, you know, your product instincts, your product wheels are probably already turning and you're already thinking that the nuances of your referral product should be quite different for you know those two different companies and so that's why it's a really good like first step is to have a really good understanding of how people refer and then once you uh, have like a very good view of like what that context is and then you can start to build you know the strategy for what your referrals product should look like yeah and i like the way that you just mentioned to here and you mentioned earlier that it's a referrals product, right? So the the strategy is also informed of how would you build a product to solve that use case, right? The use case being that moment where somebody wants a ride and they're with someone who could inform them of it, right? For for Lyft's use case. That's exactly it. And at both OpenCare and Lyft, uh, you know, we used a flexible version of jobs to be done just to have a really good understanding of what this use case is like. So again, yeah, we could build a product around it. Yeah, I love that. So why don't we talk through a few examples of company, other companies that do referral systems really well. I'm sure people are, are listening and thinking like, can I already list a few? Who, what are some of your favorites? Actually, even before we get to like, you know, my favorites, um, we get to like list out the principles in which, you know, what are good referral programs uh, look like. So um, the way I think about it, there are really four principles. Number one is you need to market your referrals program at the right place, the right time. Number two is that you need to catch a user's attention and encourage them to share. Number three, you need to remove as much friction as possible. And then number four is um, you need to personalize the flow, especially for the referred user. So, you know, the first one, market the program at the right place, the right time. There are a couple ways to think about it. One is, again, like what is the context in which the referral happens? You know, as I mentioned at Lyft, a typical context in which people refer is usually on a Saturday night. And so when we would market our referrals program, usually that marketing prompt or that marketing email would happen on a Saturday night. Another way to think about marketing the program is what is the peak happiness that a user experience when they're going through your product? You know, the company Chime, they call this like moments of delight. So when a user is going through your product, what are the specific like moments of delight that they experience? And so therefore you should put your referrals prompt during those like moments in your product. A perfect example of this is uh, Airbnb. They have a very famous uh, YouTube video actually of the product team that built Airbnb referral 2.0. And before they even built the 2.0, um, they looked at their 
1.0 product. And they realized that the reason why 1.0 wasn't doing that well is because, you know, it wasn't being promoted anywhere. A lot of their customers didn't even know it existed. Even their employees didn't even know it existed. A large part of their 2.0 project was to make sure to market it pretty much everywhere in the Airbnb app. So you get to see it, you know, the navigation bar, you see it in the profile page. And again, you also see it at like those moments of delight, you know, when uh, after someone books a room or, you know, after someone um, has checked out, you see that uh, their referrals propped everywhere. So that's that's one tactic, one principle, and like some examples of referral programs out there. Number two, the second principle is um, catching the user attention and encouraging them to share. If you think about referrals, you've seen so many referral programs out there that you're almost blind to it, right? And so in a way, a lot of the companies now need to have very attention grabbing either incentives or copy or design to get people to just stick with, you know, the referral screen and actually encouraging them to share. A perfect example of this is Robinhood, which um, I'm sure you all know about, where they're giving out like free stock. And you actually also have like a, a chance to win a very popular stock like Google or Facebook or Microsoft. It's so unique, you know, you don't see it in any other referral program. So it just catches your attention a lot. And then you just want to share it to other people. And when I was actually looking at it, um, I thought about it rationally. A Robinhood stock, like I thought, I think I got like a Groupon stock and I don't know, I think I got like $3 out of it. So actually it really isn't worth much, but just the fact that it's so unique, it had grabbed my attention right away. And that's why, um, you know, I've shared it with uh, a number of my friends and so have other users as well. You know, another way that you could um, catch a user's attention is not just through monetary. You could also use non-monetary type of tactics, uh, specifically, you know, behavioral science tactics, such as uh, tapping into scarcity, tapping into, you know, exclusivity or completion bias or like processing fluency. A perfect example of this is The Athletic. So I don't know if you know The Athletic, but it is a sports publication website, and they have a great referrals program. And their referrals program gives out five guest passes to a user. And so a user have these like five guest passes that they can hand out, and they only have five guest passes. You know, they can't refer more than five people. And that in itself has created a lot of like FOMO. And so when I talked to the head of product growth at The Athletic, she actually saw an increase in conversion rate when they uh, shipped this new feature. On those two, I just want to touch on them real quick, because I think what's really especially unique about them is that the incentive that you get is super aligned with the core value prop of the product, right? Like if you refer, the person getting referred gets the core value, right? I get a stock or I get a class, I get the action. It's not just dollars. And then the Robinhood one is also one of my favorites because they also have that layer of surprise, right? Like it's a little bit of gambling, right? Which is also aligned with the value prop. It's like, I'm going to buy a stock and maybe it'll be worth two times as much in a year, right? Like it's, it's like so perfectly aligned with everything related to the psyche of using that product. So that 
one of the reasons I love that one. Okay, let's go to principle three. Well, I, I want to touch upon that again. Like um, you use the right word psyche, you know, at the end of the day, um, you're just really tapping into users psyche to increase conversion rate as much as terrible as that sounds. It's exactly what you're doing. And at Robinhood, I actually did some some research into this. And um, in behavioral economics, you know, there's this like prospect theory. So it's the prospect theory. And within prospect theory, there is um, a hypothesis of probability weighting. And so what that means is that if you give a a person two options, one is a small amount, but it is a guaranteed amount, or a large amount, but it is not guaranteed at all, it is much likelier that a person would actually choose the larger amount, but is unguaranteed. And so there's that, you know, behavioral science that are, that's working as well for Robinhood. And so maybe that's why you're also seeing like a higher conversion there. Yeah, that's awesome. The final two principles that you should think about when it comes to tactics, the third one is remove as much friction as possible. There are so many ways that you could remove as much friction. You know, the typical product way is, you know, you try to reduce as as many clicks as possible, just get them to the core value right away. Or, you know, you try to improve the invite functionality. But when you actually do the research, the biggest friction that people experience when they're going through a referrals experience is that they don't know who to refer. Right. And so this is probably the number one thing that you're going to have to tackle is because this is the number one friction that a person would experience when they're going through the flow. Even if they want to refer, but they can't think of anyone, then they just won't refer. Right. And so you need to give them like nudges to help them think of someone. And so at Open Care, the way that we did this was when we were doing user research, we we found out that about 50% of referrals are actually existing users' partners. And so what we did with this info was uh, we looked at a referral screen, we changed the copy to say, instead of saying refer a friend, we just said like um, refer a partner and put their email address here. And that in itself increased the number of email addresses that we gathered and also increased the number of um, new users coming in from referrals. Another really good example of this is Lunch Club. I'm not sure if you've used the app before, but it forces you to log in with your Gmail account. There's no way that you could log in. You can't like create your own account. You need to log in with your your Google account. And what this does is that Lunch Club now has access to the Google Contacts API. And it looks like they could also pull the people who you talk to a lot. And so, um, you know, they take your most recent contacts or the contacts that that you talk to often and they would recommend those specific people to you. And I remember when I logged into um, Lunch Club and it immediately shows me the people that I often chatted with and, and you know, just with one click of a button, I just referred a bunch of folks that I know. And so, you know, it just removed that much friction and it removed a lot of that, you know, cognitive overload in my head of like who I should be referring. And then the the final principle that you should think about um, when it comes to tactics is um, personalizing the flow, uh, especially to the referred user. So I don't know if uh, uh, many people know about this, but Tesla actually has a really great referrals program. And when you click on someone's referral link, you end up on this landing page where it shows you all of the different types of inventory that you could buy from Tesla, whether it's you know a Model 3 or a Model X or even like a solar panel. It shows you like those specific type of inventory. And so whatever you're in the market for, you can just click on that and it immediately puts you in a 
very personalized flow for that specific thing that you're buying. Yeah, those are awesome. And I think the principles make a lot of sense, right? Like, and they're a really good checklist when you're thinking about your own referral system of let me make sure that I cover these pieces. And the removing friction thing is absolutely critical to it, right? If you make it difficult, then it's easier to just not deal with it, right? It's just much easier to go on with your life and not worry about a like stressful flow. So why don't we talk about, which we touched on a little bit, why don't we talk about the incentives? Like how do you figure out what to offer, right? Should I just offer money? Do I have the ability to do like a Robin Hood type thing where I give someone a unit of value? The importance of incentive is really to attract someone's attention. There are different types of monetary incentives. So there's like store credit, there's cash, there are gift cards. There's also like, you know, creative incentives like Robin Hood's chance to win a, a massive amount. But the purpose of all of these incentives is really to catch someone's attention. You know, so we could talk about store credit. It is probably, you know, the most popular type of uh, referral reward out there. And um, the best type of store credit uh, amount that you could give out is really, you know, um, uh, a credit that could cover a large portion of the cost of your product value. So if what you're selling costs like a hundred bucks, you know, a $2 incentive won't make much of a difference. So you're going to have to figure out what that cost curve is. And so what I would encourage users is to do a, a number of experiments to build out um, that cost curve or to test out the elasticity of a user. So um, say, you know, 50%, I'm pretty sure you're going to get a lot of conversions when you do like a 50% off uh, store credit, but also like test out 30%, 20%, 10%, because you may still be able to get that same number of users, but at a much lower cost. When you're thinking about incentive, think about like, what are the types of incentive that would really attract attention? When it comes to cash, that really attracts attention. The biggest problem with cash, though, is uh, issue with fraud. So when you are giving out cash, without a doubt, there will be fraud that will come with it. We actually saw this a lot in Lyft. Uh, so on driver acquisition, we gave out cash. and rider acquisition, we gave out um, ride credit. And what we discovered was uh, in driver acquisition, because we were giving out cash, um, there was a lot of uh, fraud that was happening when it comes to rider referrals where we're giving out ride credit, there was barely any fraud that was happening. And so um, this is definitely something that you need to think about. Cash will definitely get someone's attention, but there will be a lot of issues that will come along your way. So that's something to watch out for. The other incentive is a gift card. So if you do have a product that can't give out store credit, whether it's, you know, you don't have the functionality yet, or your product just can't give out store credit, it's just like not part of your product. Uh, gift cards is a perfect way to do that. There are a number of open gift card APIs that you could leverage. So uh, you could give out uh, gift cards to uh, referrers and referees at a, at a very, very streamlined way. The cash thing makes a lot of sense, right? Because if anyone's going to sit around and game a referral system, it's going to be the one that's going to give them cash. So that totally makes sense. And then I, I really like the way that you framed how to think about the dollar value, right? And that it has to be in the context of proportion to the value of the thing, right? Like I think of a company like Wealthfront, for example, it's an asset management. Uh, and so the thing that they offer is if you refer someone else, you both get $5,000 of investment managed for free, which one seems like a lot, but it's also not a ton because the fee 
is small, but it's more than enough to make me feel like, oh, this is actually worth my time because it's thousands of dollars that I'm not going to get charged a fee on. Whereas like a non-financial type of institution can't like give away hundreds of dollars of you know, non-fees, right? It's, it's proportional to the amount that's expected to be put in to the offering. Yep, that's exactly it. And another thing to think about uh, incentives is um, who do you give an incentive to? So most referral programs out there are double-sided. So they give out a reward to both the referrer and the referee. I would highly encourage people to actually experiment a lot on this. Um, Test out one-sided rewards, especially to just the referees only. Don't give out a reward to the referrer, just give out a reward to the referee. And the reason why is because if you actually take a step back and put your shoes in a referrer like and you know when you see a referral program it says like refer someone they get say like $20 and you get 50 bucks and so when you refer someone you say like hey you should use this product you get like $20 out of it you're almost ashamed to even like say oh i'm actually also going to make money out of it too and it's more than you i've also experienced this when i'm referring like other products i almost like never say what i'm going to get it's just personally embarrassing so if you put yourself in in the person's shoes you almost don't want to do it think about that and then um, also highly encourage for you to experiment with that there are a number of companies that have um, tested this before one of them was actually Airbnb and they tested this in their 2.0 product they had a very strong hypothesis about altruism which is in this case they found out that giving a reward to the referee only rather than the referrer only actually performs um, a lot better Better, even better than double-sided rewards. Yeah, I love the psychology behind that, right? I have been in that place before where I want to refer somebody to something, but I either feel like I need to like really actively put a disclaimer that I'm going to get something out of it or just like kind of feel a little weird about it because I really want them to do it because I get a thing. Yeah, it's that's a great point and, and really cool to see that the altruistic bend of it actually can also net you just as good results. So on the note of results, this will be the last thing that we touch on here, which I think is critical, is how do you measure and know that your referral system is working? So we talked about a little bit of like what expected rates look like. Are there other pieces that you wanted to cover around the measurement before we wrap up today? Yeah, so your high level metric that you should be looking at is the percentage of new users or the percentage of revenue, right? And we talked about that at the beginning of the conversation. But the next thing that you should be really taking a look at is you get to dive deeper into the referrals product in itself and look at your funnel conversion rates, you know? So what percentage of people are seeing the referral screen? What percentage of them are actually engaging on that screen and sending out an invite? And then how many invites are sent per referrer? What percentage of those, you know, referees actually click on those invites and end up converting? So um, take a look at all those like funnel steps and have a really good understanding of like where there is room for opportunity. When you're looking at your funnel conversion rate, the variable with the biggest coefficient is top of funnel. So meaning what percentage of people are seeing a referral screen? If you can get this to like 100%, that's best, right? Like if you can get all of your users to see your referral screen, and even better yet, if you can pop up the referral screen at various points in the product, you will definitely scale referrals because of the number of, of uh, volume that you're going to get through the referrals product. And so it, it almost sounds really obvious, but actually 
actually um, when you're at a much bigger company and you want to protect like every product surface as much as possible, you're going to start to see that not a lot of people are actually seeing the referral screen. And so if you are at a, at a bigger company or even like at a smaller company, definitely work closely with other product managers to see whether or not um, you could get, you know, as many of your users to see the referral screen as possible. And that is like the fastest way to uh, scale referrals. The next metric that you should be looking at in, in the funnel is the percentage of people engaging in the referral screen and sending out an invite. I say the floor or the baseline that you should be really shooting for is 20%. And a lot of folks um, have told me that is really, really high. And the truth of the matter is, is that if it's not at least 20%, then you're not going to hit that 5% number. For example, you know, you have 20% of people sending out one invite and say 50% of those referees click on the invite and then 50% of them actually convert and become a user. So that's uh, 20% times 50% times 50%. You end up into like 5% of new users, right? And so if you're not hitting at least 20%, then you're not getting, you know, 5% of new users coming in from referrals. And yeah, and don't be scared that it's, it's such a large number. I've seen that metric or even like a higher metric in other companies as well. So maybe like just take a leap of faith of me in this, but really that's, that's really what you should be shooting for. Finally, the, the next big important metric that you should be looking at when it comes to the funnel is the number of invites sent by a referrer. On average, it's actually just like 1.2 to 1.5, meaning the people who actually um, send out an invite, on average, they only send about 1.2 invites or 1.5 invites. And so it's actually like really, really small. And so another fast way to like scale referrals is also to increase the number of invites sent, but that is like very hard to do. And so you're going to have to be very creative in how to do that. Those stats are awesome. Thank you for providing benchmarks. It's one of those things that's always tough to get in podcast episodes, but it makes them so much more valuable. So I appreciate that. No worries. Any other last notes that you want to touch on or you feel like you cover? I mean, I feel like we could talk about referral stuff forever. It's such a fun topic, but any other major things that you want to touch on before we finish up today? One major thing, which may be um, a little bit controversial, is K-factor. So it's a very vanity metric that uh, a lot of growth people would want to use and tie to referrals. I would say, please do not use K-factor when it comes to referrals. The reason why, mathematically, you cannot reach a K-factor of equals to one or greater than one when it comes to referrals. A very simple way to explain this is, you know, what does a K-factor mean is if a hundred percent of your existing users refer another person. So you have one set group of people and each of them would actually refer someone else. That is just like not realistic, right? Even if you get like, you know, 20% of uh, people to refer, you would need like at least five invites to hit, you know, that key factor of one or equal to greater than one. It's just like not mathematically feasible. I think key factor of equal to or greater than one only works when you have a number of growth products and um, referrals is just like one of those growth products. And that's how you could increase the K factor to equal to one or greater than one. But do not tie K factor to just your referrals product alone um, because yeah, mathematically it is is just not feasible at all. Yeah, it makes sense. And it wouldn't be an episode talking about referrals and any sort of virality if we didn't touch on K factors. So <laughs> glad that we, we touched on that. All right, Maria, thank you so much for joining. I really appreciate it. 
yeah, thanks again for having me. Uh, this was a really great, fun conversation. Absolutely. Very much agreed. And for those of you listening, I'll say it again. If you're a fan of this episode, there's plenty more like it. Hit that subscribe button. Check out the others. If you got any feedback and questions, anything like that, feel free to shoot me a note. My email is mattadrift.com. Thank you so much for tuning in and I will catch you on the next episode. Thanks. Thanks.